Heidi Harris. This is the Heidi Harris Show podcast. I do this a couple of times a week. You can subscribe at iTunes for free, Heidi Harris Show. You can also find these at HeidiHarris.com. You can also catch me on my live radio show weekday morning, 6 to 9 a.m. at 670 a.m. KMZQ. If you forget all that, just go to HeidiHarris.com. There's a link there to listen live and all that stuff. My social media is all listed up there, too. My guest today is Linda Herman. She recently came to my attention. She wrote a book a few years ago called Parents to the End, and it's all about parenting adult children. I have more friends, I've got to tell you, who've got kids who are teenagers or young adults who are entitled, ungrateful, causing them all kinds of grief, and you see it on the societal level too. There are a lot of kids who think their happiness is the most important thing in the world, and a lot of parents have them believing that. Well, what does that mean for society? That the minute their marriage goes a little bit weird, they dump it, they're friends, whatever it might be. The ramifications are huge. And Linda Herman's book makes you as a parent not feel so guilty for standing up to your bratty kid. Linda Herman, welcome to the Heidi Harris Show. Thank you, Heidi. And it really is an honor and a pleasure to be here speaking with you. Well, glad to have you. So you, how many years were you in psychotherapy? Let's see. I was a in private practice in Kent, Washington, the southern suburb of Seattle, for about 23 years. Wow. Before that, I had worked for agencies. I also had been a school psychologist for about 10 years. So I know my way around mental health <laughs> and the school district. Yeah, abs- <laughs> absolutely. So what, what made you want to write this book? Was it that you saw so many parents who could not let go of their kids or their kids were taking advantage of them? Was that something you saw a lot of? Is that the reason you wrote it? Yes, but it gradually led up to that. I feel like I I was sort of honored to watch an entire generation of kids grow up, and also my husband and I had two sons, and so at the same time I was watching them. And I saw a distinct shift in how parenting was happening, and there were some things that concerned me about it. Uh, and being in psychology, I thought, you know, sometimes I think the psychotherapists are really – uh, barking up the wrong tree here, the advice that they're giving is, is not really uh, empowering their children, it's disempowering. So couple that with an increasing number of women particularly who were coming in whose kids either would not or could not emancipate, who were struggling, parents with incredible guilt and anxiety, and young adults, some of whom were vicious, just absolutely vicious to well-meaning often well-educated, often highly affluent uh, parents who felt like, my goodness, I've been over backwards, I've done everything I can to help him or help her, and they don't appreciate a thing. So seeing those trends, I couldn't not write the book. I thought someone has to address this, so that's how it came about. And someone has to be honest about it. We're speaking with Linda Herman. The book is called Parents to the End. At the end, we'll tell you how to get a copy of this book. I highly recommend you either read it yourself regardless of whether you have kids or not. I read it. I don't have kids, but I certainly know a lot of people who are in this situation with their kids. I'm going to get several copies for friends of mine who have trouble. It's interesting what you said, Linda, about the way some kids treat their children. I've got some friends who, uh, without giving any identifying uh, information, have children who treat them with disdain after they do everything for them, and these kids act entitled. And it's stunning to me. You mentioned in the book, too, that parents in the United States, you say, have reached an un unprecedented level of tolerance for back talk from their children. I mean, I hear people saying things, of, if my mother never slapped me in the face, she never did, but I always felt like if I had said certain things, she would have. Nowadays, kids treat their parents like they're stuck to the bottom of their shoe. It's awful. Mm-hmm. 
Well, parents are really the architects of the family, and the kids are reacting in response to uh, the parenting styles. Now, there's always the qualifiers. There are some kids who have a temperament that they're high-maintenance, they're difficult kids from the get-go. I'm not talking about those kids. I'm talking about kids who have been, quote-unquote, helped by getting a lot of material things, by uh, being kept comfortable, by uh, having their feelings kind of nourished and massaged, and to the point where the young person comes to feel that uh, the, the, the permanent state is supposed to be one of happiness. And if I'm not happy, something's wrong, and somebody is responsible. Well, the first people to look to are going to be mom and dad. And and this is ignoring all what we know about child development, that there's some natural friction, that people really thrive better when they're met with challenges. I remember a part in your book where you talked about how your dad was with you and how he was very supportive, but he was not easy, and that you really came to appreciate and value that. Oh, well, yeah. Yeah, and consequently, perhaps also because of your temperament, you did not become a snowflake person, and that enabled you to write that, you know, and do your cocktail waitress wisdom. So parents kind of unwittingly set themselves up thinking they're doing the right thing when, in fact, it it didn't work. I, I know what works and what doesn't work, and enabling your kids by just doing too much, making life easier for them, does not work. That's very true. We're speaking with Linda Herman. She's a retired career psychotherapist, and she wrote a book called Parents to the End. I will tell you in a minute how to get this book. You know, Linda, it's interesting to me how parents have lost their focus. The objective when you're a parent, and even I know this as a non-parent. Of course, we know everything. We don't have kids, right? The objective when you raise kids is to be able to, of course we do, uh, is to be able to raise a functioning adult. You're raising somebody's husband, somebody's wife, somebody's boss, somebody's employee, a functioning member of society. And a lot of parents aren't doing that. And I don't want to gloss over what you said about happy because it's really important when people are taught that their happiness is paramount. That's more important than anything else. That also has ramifications, not only in the workplace, not only in the home, but also in marriages. The minute times get tough, I know you've been married for over 40 years. When times get tough, these kids today, and I hate to sound like an old person, these kids today, but if they're taught that <laughs> happiness matters more than anything else, then they just toss their marriages at the drop of a hat. And it's got huge ramifications for society, for the next generation, etc. That's true, because they're not learning how to work things through. And I think the current uh, psychology and the, the victimizing that we do with people uh, leads people, and this is one of my pet peeves here lately, is that it leads people to see the other not as somebody that we're interdependent with, that, that we work with, but is this person uh, filling my needs or are they blocking? Are they blocking my happiness? <laughs> and that's just, you know hey, you know, if you're in a marriage, a long-term marriage, you've got to learn that your needs aren't always going to prevail. As with uh, kids, uh, learning, having kids, that the adult needs don't always prevail. But sadly, in our culture, that 
that's not how we think. And the, the prevailing notion is I should be happy. I must be happy. I've got to have self-esteem and don't mess with my self-esteem. Oh, that's so true. It's funny. My husband and I had a big, I'm not going to say argument. It wasn't, but it was a, a discussion, an animated discussion about the fact that we have this tree that he wanted to chop down so he could mow around it. And my version of it was he was chopping it down to nothing, right? So this is big discussion, <laughs> you know, because God put women here to make things look good. He put guys here to make them work. You know, and I said, well, if you're going to chop it to, <laughs> the, it to 10 feet high so you can mow around it, what's the point? You know, you're killing a lot of the greenery and, you know, this whole big discussion. But these are things that you go through in life. And I've seen people get divorced over smaller things than that. And I'm sure you have over the course of your career. Absolutely. And, and if you think about it, what's the problem there? They feel that their feelings supersede that of the other person, that you can't, if you've done that to my feelings, uh-oh, something is wrong. Wow. And that's, you know, that's just not uh, real living. I have to tell you a, a story from my therapy years. I worked with well, all ages and increasingly with uh, parents of adult kids and adult kids for the last few years. But early on, I worked a lot with young kids. And so sometimes I get somebody in, you know, like a teenager, uh, for example, and they would be telling me, uh, you know, how rough they have with their parents. And the, and then I hear about the back talking and everything, and I'd say, hey, where'd you get that jacket? Oh, my mom. How about those shoes? Those look like $150 Nikes or something. <laughs> yeah, my mom. And then I'd say, you know, tell me, what is it that you do to contribute to the family? And there'd be silence, nothing. Right. And that is part of it. There's There's not the understanding that, it really, no matter if you're, you know, in a marriage or you're in a family as a child, there's some give and take here. Absolutely. It's not just a, a one-way street. And so I see those, uh, I see those kinds of things often, or I, I, I should say I certainly did. Well, it's important so, when, you, when you think about the, the, the chores, for example, the average kid nowadays, when's the last time you saw a kid mow a lawn? I mean, you don't see kids do chores. They don't contribute mm -hmm. to the household. If I had kids, I'd say, listen, we're going to do something because this is not a hotel. You're not a guest here. It's a family, and we all function in a certain way. And unfortunately, a lot of kids don't want to have to do that. But once again, that goes back to their parents and the parental expectations. I recently helped somebody move, and I watched members of the family, teenagers, sit on the couch while I was over there helping them move boxes. They were on their phone. Now, they weren't my kids, or I just said, that phone goes in the trash in about one second unless you get up and help. <laughs> Didn't even mm -hmm. occur to them to get up and help, pack a box, what can I do? Nothing. I couldn't believe it. I was stunned, frankly, and that, because I'm not around a lot of teenagers. One of the things also that you talk about in your book, Linda Herman, and the book's called Parents to the End, and this is something I see a lot. Parents who are held hostage by their children once their kids have grandkids, because now there's the guilt. Now you're not going to let me see the grandkids. And, of course, the children use that to their advantage. Talk a little bit about that. Okay. Well, that's really an emotional blackmail. I mean, there's no other, other term to describe it. And the adult kids who are manipulative will know this is the way to, to get to my mom. And parents have to, they're faced with the judgment call. I mean, sometimes parents end up calling CPS on their kids. That is such a hard thing to do. And, of course, the kids go ballistic if that happens in extreme cases. But uh, parents being unwilling to call their kids out on that kind of behavior and put them to the test. So they're like, well, you know, hey, I'm so sorry that you feel that way and that you are choosing to use your children, my grandchildren, as a as a bargaining chip in our difficulties, 
and, and uh, try to get beyond it without going that route. But I, I do see that. But oftentimes, you know, people make the threats, and they, they don't follow through. However, they can. I mean, they can, and they do withhold young young kids from their grandparents. But, and it's, it's heartbreaking. It's it is. cruel, and it's heartbreaking, and it does no service to those little children either. No, it's, it's just terrible. Now, also in your book, uh, you have the Bill of Rights for Parents of Adult Children. I'm not going to read every one of them because I want people to get your book and read this book for themselves. And you've got a lot of great tips. You've also got some case studies in here from your career about various situations that people might be able to relate to. Once again, the book's called Parents to the End. And it, this is so important, the right to be free from abuse. I think, well, I can't say everybody, but I've certainly seen that in my, in certain, I'm trying to be vague here, <laughs> certain members of my own family who I felt didn't treat their parents correctly, and I let them know about it. Parents aren't supposed to take crap from their children. They're not supposed to just be doormats, and it's stunning how many parents will do that. It is stunning. And I think, again, it's born out of this idea that, well, if they see their kids as kind of fragile, oh, I'm not going to do anything to upset Johnny, you know, he's he's temperamental or he has anxiety or this or that, you know, that, that's part of it. And parents own guilt, perhaps, for something they did or perceived offenses. And sometimes parents don't even know what their offense is. And seriously, I've probably had dozens of women who come in and said to me, I don't know what I did. And, and so I say, well, what is your crime? I don't know. But I've apologized to my daughter, you know, time and again, and uh, expecting a different outcome. But when, when there's unhealthy adult kids, they will be glad to use that as a weapon against their parents who consequently typically back down, back down, back down. I had, just real quickly, I, I saw a woman whose son was in prison, and he, he was verbally so abusive to her, and he'd call her, by the way, she's the only person who called this young man, and she would take his children down to see him like twice a month. She had to drive something like 200 miles to the prison he was in. Well, here he's... Um, He's so nasty on the phone, and I said, you know when that happens next time? You take your phone and say, I'll be glad to talk to you when you stop treating me like that, and hang up the phone. Oh, my God, she didn't know she could do that, you know? So they have a conversation right away, you know, within five minutes, he is trashing her, cussing her out, and sometimes parents record calls, and I hear them. It's like words we would never use, you know, maybe in, not even in the privacy of our home, terrible things. And she hung up. And But right before she hung up, he said, if you hang up, Mom, I'll never speak to you again. There's that hook, right? Right. She hangs up the, she hangs up the phone, waits five minutes, gets who's calling. Her son. Mom, I'm sorry. Wow. Mom, wow. I want to talk to you. And see, that was a turning point for her because she set the limit. And the, no matter how old our kids are, Sometimes limits have to be set, and the feedback helps them behave more normally. Not always, but she changed the dynamic that day, and it was like, wow, this is really tremendous progress. That is huge. That's a great story. You also talk about in your parents' Bill of Rights the right to decide what to do with your own money. I mean, there are kids who act like they are entitled to every dime of the parents' money, and you've talked in your book about people who will never be able to retire because they're still subsidizing their children. Talk a little bit about that. Well, it's it's so sad because I, I've seen people working well into their retirement years because they've taken out 
second mortgages on their homes, which have been paid off, to try to bolster the kids' lifestyle. It's amazing. And, you know, it so flies in the face of my experiences, but I have to tap down, okay, like, this isn't how I do it. And in therapy, it's not a matter, Heidi, of just, you just tell them the right way to do it, and by God, they'll shape up. That... <laughs> If only it were so easy, right? Wouldn't life be so neat and tidy? I've been trying that, that with because yeah, I've been trying that with politicians, <laughs> Linda, for twenty years. It hasn't worked yet. So. <laughs> okay, keep working. <laughs> but it, it takes years to get to that place, and it often, you know, takes a while to undo that. Uh, but it, but it is a tragedy, and even the studies back up the fact that if the parents do more and give more cash to the kids, the kids are correspondingly less grateful. So go figure, right? Yeah, you think you think people you appreciate too it. Much? No. Yeah, that's interesting. No. And I, and it's also fascinating to watch when people maybe don't see this in their kids. I have a friend who's dealing with this with an ungrateful child and without giving any details. Uh, and I, I said to her, has this child always been this entitled? And she started thinking mm -hmm. about it. She went, mm, I guess probably so. But they manifest themselves, these these behaviors in different ways as the child gets older. When they're six, they act a certain way. When they're teenagers, they act a certain way. Then they grow up and become parents. Then they act a certain way. But it's really the same thread of entitlement that the child has in their brain. Mm -hmm. I've actually taken little kids aside. And when we're doing individual therapy, someone who's really on that trajectory of, like, becoming the super entitled child. And, you know, kids like under 10 and saying, you know, your mom and dad think you're the most special person in the world, and that's great and wonderful. But guess what? Nobody else does. Mm -hmm. And that, and that's just life. That's just the way it is. That's not to be mean, but that means that you don't. You're not more special than the next person, and you you don't have the right to treat people poorly because you think you're so special. So, I never got fired for saying that to a child. So I often wondered if I'd have parents come and say, what did you say to my child? But in the context of everything we're doing, I think they got it. They got the message. Yeah, I think that's important. And one of the things, we're speaking with Linda Herman, who's a retired psychotherapist, whose book is called Parents to the End. I will tell you in a moment how to get that book. One of the things that you talk about is the higher rates of depression. So we've got a bunch of kids whose self-esteem we're supposed to be focusing on, whose happiness is supposed to be paramount, it's supposed to matter more than anything in the entire world, and yet they're more depressed, and maybe part of that is, I'm certain part of it is, they get out in the real world and notice that the whole world doesn't stand up and salute them when they get up and show up for class. I mean, I know people who practically applaud their kid for getting out of bed and showing up in the kitchen for breakfast. This is a big deal. This used to be expected when I grew up. I know. It's, it's such a, a different world now. And the children who have requirements of them, you know, there, there's something beyond like, oh, okay, I got him to help with the chores. It's, you know, it's more of an even deal now. I can give him some allowance or something. It's that kids feel a part of the family unit. They feel connected when they're involved. When they're left to their own devices or uh, they literally uh, can just, you know, disconnect from their families. I worry about cell phones, and I'm sure, you know, lots of parents do. But I've gone into restaurants. We were traveling once, and we went in a restaurant, and as we're walking in, I see everybody with their heads bowed. I thought, well, isn't that nice to sing fresh? No, they were all on their phones. It was a family of about five. Nobody was speaking. There was no praying going on. And I, I had to laugh because I thought, you know, here it is.
Yeah, I think we all can agree that family relationships aren't exactly improving when everybody's staring down at their cell phone all the time. Linda Herman, what a privilege. I hope everybody gets this book because it's just great information and it actually makes you feel better as a parent to go, hey, I'm not crazy. My kid really is being a brat and I'm really not helping my child because I've been doing this for you know 20 years enabling and it's not working, so let me try something different. I think this yeah, book will- Yeah, try something new. Yeah, I think this book will give people right the freedom to be able to try something new and say, hey, I'm not gonna destroy my child if I follow some of the ideas in the book. So I love the fact that you wrote it, and thank you for bringing it to my attention, and I uh, appreciate what you're doing and what you've done for people all those years. Oh, my goodness. Well, the pleasure, as I said earlier, is mine. This is, It's great talking to you. I, I love your approach, and my husband and I both are so happy that we discovered your radio show in the morning. We have breakfast with you every day. That's hilarious, and that's more than I could say for my husband because I'm already at work by the time he has breakfast. Linda Herman, thank you for being here. The book is called Parents to the End. You can get it at lindaherman.com. You can get it on Amazon. I'm also going to hunt your husband down and get him on a future podcast because I know he's a retired marriage and family counselor. We're going to talk with him, and since you guys have been married for 43 years, I bet you both know a few things about keeping marriages together. Thanks for joining me on the Heidi Harris Show podcast. Don't forget that you can... Join me live weekdays, 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. on AM 670 KMZQ in Las Vegas. You can find these podcasts on iTunes for free. Subscribe, or you can find them at HeidiHarris.com. And just check HeidiHarris.com. That's where everything is located. Until we meet again, remember, you were created for a purpose. Here's Tony Scottwell. Well.